and welcome to the I Word. This podcast may contain some strong language. I'm speaking to actor Millicent Wong. Millie and I were at drama school together and she was very, very kind to chat to me because she was very tired and very hungry because she had just been on a four-hour cycle ride in the middle of the Scottish winter. Uh, This is another episode we recorded over Zoom just before Christmas and as you'll hear from the start, it wasn't our first attempt at talking. But she's an amazing guest and was worth the wait, so let's get into it. All good. Hey, Mill. Hey, Andy. <laughs> How's it going? It's, um, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's going good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All so things considered. I think for the yeah, for the for the listeners, I think this is this is funny because I we we've actually done this episode already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two months yeah. ago, <laughs> but I don't like remember what we vu. said at all. But um, Millie was in Singapore. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just speaking. I'm just speaking for you now, Mill. No, yeah. Um, Millie was in Singapore. Um, <laughs> yes, I and, was. <laughs> uh, yes, she was. That is confirmed. Uh, it was during the time when everyone was like kind of allowed out of the house, but sort of not. And yeah. uh, we had to do it at this particular time in the morning for me and in the evening for you. Yeah. And then my Wi-Fi cut out 40 <laughs> minutes into the recording. I, Which I remember is thinking such like, oh, shame. I'm going to. I know. I remember yeah. thinking, like, oh, I'm going to get her to say a recommendation soon and then <laughs> just cut out. And then we had to go. I don't know why we had to go. I think George and Martin wanted to go to to a flower market or something. And I'm not even making that. I genuinely think that was the reason. We just had to leave. <laughs> we couldn't It is a around. lovely reason to have to leave, I have to say. Very um, wholesome. Yeah, very wholesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember sitting here and, like, looking at the screen because it was frozen and I was kind of like, Andy? <laughs> Andy, <laughs> and, and? I remember as well, <laughs> but like I saw Lorne, uh, um, at the for the for listener Lorne, your lovely yeah. boyfriend, who you're saying it with now, uh, uh-huh. and I remember him like saying that like, oh, how did the episode go? And it was like, oh no, it was. I just remember describing it to it was like it was it was like the absolute. <laughs> it was the the thing that everyone is the nightmare scenario for for when mm. you are recording. You just like you don't want to look down and just see like it not recording or just have to scrap it but luckily <laughs> yeah. i don't remember what we said because i can't remember what i said you know 20 minutes ago so uh we could just start afresh and also lots has yeah, happened no. <laughs> as well which is great but yes welcome back to the i word all right <laughs> yeah yeah um, sweet <laughs> so so i thought i'd um start again with the same question uh, but yeah, it will be different yes. this time when was the last time you had a moment of wanting to be an actor Oh God, um, that is still such a difficult question. <laughs> I think, well, to be honest, I think, I think it was the entire time that I spent in Singapore, really, because like most of my drama school training—I mean, all of my drama school training—happened over here in the UK. Um, 
and it was lovely but also like because it was in my 20s I kind of feel like a lot of my connections and experiences like my adult connections and experiences have been here so like going back to Singapore feels like going back to your childhood home that is literally halfway across the world and um it was lovely because I could reacquaint myself and, you know, spend time with my parents, which I haven't had to do in like three years. But then after mm. a while, it kind of just felt a bit like I was in this weird time bubble and nothing was moving. Um, mm. So I, I think I kind of just felt like everything had just stopped and I just wanted it to get moving again. And I just missed acting because there's that liberation and wonder and kind of magic in it. And... Yeah, probably the last time I felt like I really wanted to be an actor was literally on the day that I had to fly back to the UK because it just <laughs> it just never ended. It just never stopped. Yeah. Um, what were you yeah. What were you sort of doing to keep that up? Because I remember uh, last time you were in London when we spoke, you mm. were talking about how many books you'd read, and I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Like, well, it's kind of like the... I kind of set the whole 100 books a year challenge since I figured it's it's a strange time where everybody's at home and you're not really having to be anywhere and nothing's open anyway. So I think I got... I just finished one today, actually, a really, really good book. I think I'm now on 58. Is this the, is this the Malcolm Gladwell one? Actually, no. Um, this is a... No. Even though that's a great book, this is a fantasy fiction book. Um, it's oh, called. What is it? It's called The Final Empire, and it's by this writer called Brandon Sanderson. And he is, Mm. let's just say he's got a huge following. And for the longest time, I thought, (laughs) why does, why, why? So I just figured I'd just buy the book. And yeah, it's, it's a really good read. It's, yes, it's beautiful. And it made me cry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so how many are you on now? Uh, yeah, 58. 58? Yeah. Fucking hell, Mel. I am very, very <laughs> satisfied with it. But to be honest, like, I kind of wanted to have at least 73. Like, Why just 73? It just sounds like a number, you know? <laughs> it, 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 it does sound like a number. Exactly. Yeah. Which that, that it is. is. It <laughs> is a number. It sounds like a nice number. <laughs> I think we had this it's... conversation before, okay, yeah. like, when we were in drama school, how, like, to me, everything kind of has a name or seems nice or, like, not nice. Like was yeah. it was it with you or with Martin? Like I I remember going around no, go school on. and like pointing at power sockets and being like, "That's a Greg," <laughs> 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 like, or, or like looking at a radiator that, and being like, "It looks like such a Martha." <laughs> that rings a bell, but also <laughs> yeah. that is the kind of thing that I can imagine Martin being very behind. Exactly, just sort of laughing with everyone. Yeah. But so let's let's go back to again. This is I'm sure you've you've told this story before as well. But mm. like let's go back to when you were a kid in Singapore and like mm. what were you? Because I remember thinking I think I've, we talked before about your sort of was it dance that you were mainly into yeah before? yeah. And so how did it, what were you watching? What were you doing that was getting you into being an actor? Oh, that is interesting. So to be honest. Um, for most of the time when I was growing up, I wasn't really interested in television or or even theatre, to be honest. I loved dancing, but um, I think it's mainly my parents that liked to bring me to these sort of dance recitals and performances. Um, and, like, ballet troops from the UK and Russia and uh, Australia would come to Singapore a lot to kind of do their shows. 
Um, so my parents would pay for me to go there and watch them because, you know, they knew that I was taking ballet classes and they would fall asleep. But I would kind of just sit there and stare at people kind of going into weird twirls and moves and stuff. And I thought it was really cool. Um, I think the want to become an actor specifically uh, came when I was about... It was quite recent. It came when I was about 21. Nine, oh, about 19 to 21. Yeah. Um, mm. I was already doing a diploma in performance um, and a production of Venus in Fur from the UK came to Singapore. And I remember watching it and just being so blown away because the acting was insanely good. And I mean, the script was great. And um, I, the actors were just so good. And it kind of made me feel things, like this kind of visceral feeling that I remember just going, I have not felt like this watching a play in my entire life. And just thinking like, oh my God, these people are like wizards. Like, how are they making me feel like this? And it was just amazing. And it, it kind of really left an impact on me, I think. And I think it was because of that, that it made me go, I really want to be able to tell stories like that. Like, I really want to be able to share that feeling that I had of wonder with other people. Um, and that's kind of where it started for real, I guess. So, and yeah. Because, again, I think that is... It is interesting because that is quite... I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, people always say, like, I came to it quite late or I came to it quite early. It's like, I don't, mm. when, when, is, when is early? I don't, when, I don't know. <laughs> but, like... Yeah. But the... It's interesting then that it took a it took a production to come into Singapore for that to happen for you yeah um, yeah and I'm, I remember you speaking about Vincent Fur now and I just wondered like was because I'm interested how your how Singapore works in terms of psychologically for you because when you saw that production come in did you not think about wanting mm. did you not think about the theatre in Singapore and how did it, was it then that you thought about coming to the UK as well? I guess I'm trying to ask. I think it was entirely then because before that mm. I'd never given kind of living or working in another country another thought. I'd always known I had a lot of friends who did that and I thought that was amazing, but I was never really interested in it to be honest. Um, is it I, not? A th is it not a thought to sort of like? Because I'm interested because as well because psych psychologically. Yeah. Um, Singapore is such a small place, but the, mm. the standard of living, what I understand, is so good. Is it not a thought to leave, to to travel and to experience other places, or it wasn't for you? Yeah, it, it wasn't for me at first, I think, um, which is very strange. I think I wanted to travel, but I just didn't... It just didn't occur to me that working overseas was ever going to be a thing. Um, just because, you know, Singapore is so comfortable and it's a great place to stay because it's so comfy... I mean, it's still difficult, but it's familiar. So I never really thought about it. Um, I think in a way, uh, like the Singapore industry, because it's the country's only about 50-ish years old. It's really, really young. It's as old as my mum, which I love saying because <laughs> when you think about it like that, as old as my mum, like, that's how that young the mad. country is. I know. Yeah. Um, so... Similarly, the art sector is growing, but it's growing at the rate that a country that's about 50-odd years would grow, um, which means that appreciation for the arts isn't 
as high as the UK, for example, um, because, you know, we don't have the sort of history and the volume of people who would pat- patronise the theatres. Um, so at the moment in Singapore, there are a lot more sort of musicals coming out because it's a lot more commercially viable. And that's the only way that theatre can stay alive at the moment. So I think watching Venus in Fur it was probably like the first time I've seen a piece of theatre that was kind of dark and difficult and very, mm. very sort of exposing of messy human emotions. Um, yeah. Was the Because, again, like a mutual friend of ours who also was in our year, Selma, is now doing... Um, I don't know if she's now doing it or it's, it's going on soon, uh, mm-hmm. a production of Bull by Mike Bartlett. Yeah, yeah. And... I sort of, I suppose that sort of backs up your point in that that's only getting like a, a th- it's like a three day run or something, but it's like a, but that's a proper production. And so that's considered long for Singapore. Yeah, yeah. Three days. Like I would say, like most musicals last a month. Right. Um, and that's I mean, even the that's not long. That can... That's sort of like an I indie know. play here. But you see, I did a musical like a few years ago in Singapore. (laughs) Yeah, I did a musical like a few years ago and that was about a month. So it was a... I can't even remember how long we rehearsed for. I think we rehearsed for two months and then we Mm. showed the the musical for a month and it was a big musical and it was at the Esplanade. I remember seeing the pictures. Yeah. It was like the makeup and the sort of the grand Mm, mm. aspect of it was huge. And it was the main theatre venue in Singapore, kind of like the biggest theatre venue in Singapore, I would say. Not the main one, because there are a few others now. Um, Mm. But it was basically high profile and that still Mm. was like a month run and that, to me, was just unheard of. It was... I thought it was ridiculously long. <laughs> I just wasn't used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because right. you have a lot of shows in Singapore that will rehearse. Um, for example, like Chinese theatre productions would rehearse for months and then would show for about four days or like mm. eight, 12 days around there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I guess it's just like a, a difference in experience slash opportunity that, Singapore is gradually coming into, which is really, really great. But for the time being, you know, you've got to kind of see where it takes you. And at the same time, the, the woman who's directing Bull, who, her name is Victoria. She's, she's brilliant. She's so brilliant. She studied at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, so I suppose the difference... I suppose in London, the difference is, like, if you compare the cities... Mm-hmm. Um, even though Singapore is huge, but it's like the city of its core. The um, the difference between something like Bull in London would be you could have a large scale production, but that sort of you could also get that in like a kind of pub theatre, like an underground style theatre. Is that sort yeah. of? I suppose again, it's still young, but is that sort of world starting to show up now, or is it mm-hmm. like? Are you are you going to get someone who is able to write a sort of, you know, a bull in Singapore that's like an original play, like a, something that's like daring and yeah, on a small, yeah, smaller scale. I mean, I probably haven't gone into it too much, but there are quite a few of um, writers at the moment who are writing very challenging and very thought provoking plays, which are brilliant and I I love that. Um, unfortunately, I haven't really had the chance to see many of them because like you know, been stuck mm, yeah, here in drama probably, school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've read some of them and they are amazing. Like, 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I don't just mean like amazing in the sense that they have quite like they're similar storylines that you would be comfortable with. I just mean they're amazing in the sense that it's making me look at the world and looking at and look at the lifestyle that I have in Singapore in different ways. And I think that's always what's necessary in theatre and that's something that theatre has a really good, you know, advantage of showing. Mm. So And is yeah. that going is that going into T V and film as well over there? I don't know so much about TV, um, just because I've never really been into that side of the media world in Singapore. But I do know that mm. in terms of theatre, there are a lot more very interesting ones that have been coming out. And some of those playwrights kind of work between the UK and Singapore, actually. Um, right. So I know of some who like go over to the UK and stay for a bit to do like residencies, or they come over and stay and do their writing over here and kind of talk with the British East Asian community. Um, so there's kind mm. of a lot more connection right. going on that I would like to be more acquainted with, I think. Yeah. Well, I suppose you've got the time. <laughs> got oh, the yeah. Time um, Such a busy schedule, actually. So, <laughs> so let's, let's, get back to, let's get back to you. Let's talk more about you, Mill. Let's get on you. How was it sort of coming yeah. from, direct from Singapore to London? Because like, how, how, how does it feel to sort of have that culture shock of climate, of time, of everything? Very different. <laughs> Very different. I would say, first of all, everyone's taller than me. Um, mirrors in mirrors in rooms are taller than me. So most of the time, if I stayed in an Airbnb somewhere, like I would be able to see everything up till my nose, and that's it. Like I'd have to tiptoe to see my mouth. <laughs> so there's that. Um, the food's different in the sense that there isn't a surplus of the food that I'm used to seeing. Um, and if mm. you know Singapore, you'll know that like Singaporeans based everything off the food. Like that's the first oh, thing we'll look for so anywhere I go we go. So much just to eat food. <sighs> it's just got the best. It's like Singapore is just full <laughs> of cuisine. It's the best, 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 best thing. Um, but yeah, so the food was different. Um, the, I mean, obviously the accents were all different. Mm. And I was just not used to that. With the with the food, I think it is interesting. Was there uh, a a restaurant, say, mm-hmm. that you could go to and you could feel like this is this is like a slice of of home. This is like as this is this gives me a bit of comfort in this sort of craziness because like I feel that. Yeah. And I'm like you know I <laughs> from a little village, but like if I see <laughs> like a kind of uh, just like a plate or like a sort of taste of home it just like i don't yeah. know it just like gives me i was with i was with um i was with my friend alex recently we were walking and we we just walked by the thames and i didn't really know why like i always want to go by the thames yeah. but he said the same thing because we both live by the sea and he said like sometimes i just need to it sounds wanky as fuck but he's like sometimes i just need <laughs> to see water and i was like i kind of get what he means I no like, yeah i, I think i get to that see a bit of a bit of the water and just a bit of like just gives me a bit of space in that way, though, in a weird way, um, Stratford looks a lot like Singapore. Like what? It looks a lot like <laughs> it because the buildings are so high, um, and there's huge shopping malls, and that's basically Singapore. I, I kid you not; it's basically Singapore. Um, 
just with a lot less like green because if you've been to Singapore if you ever go or you look at pictures it will look like the roads and the buildings kind of grow out of the forest at, instead of like Singapore has very strategically put like green things everywhere to make it look like a forest it just constantly looks like you've been in a jungle and the buildings just happen to be there <laughs> um so yeah there's that um I think food wise it's very easy but literally where we were at drama school just, I'm, yeah yeah, like I'm down the road, like there was a Singapore food, garden. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah great. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, absolutely recommend. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Sure. Singapore garden was great. It was literally, <laughs> you know, as it is on the label, that is what it is. <laughs> so, so I go there, have like and chicken so, rice and all Milo and everything. Yeah. And so the, the training, because we went to Central. Yeah. How did you find the the training central? Because I've, I've spoken already to to Georgia about the emphasis on RP sort of in the mm-hmm. first term and first oh, year yeah. in general, and yeah, I think that's yeah. the case with a lot of drama schools. Mm. Um, just how was your experience of that? Just how was your experience sort of like of the first? I don't know it's so hard to con- condense your experience of the training in three years, but how was it sort of like to start with? I'd say, I think it was easy to start with, to be honest. I mean, I was scared. I was nervous. Mm. But I think it was easy because I was just trying to be as open to everything as possible, like, you know, as possible. And not really knowing what was going on. I kind of was just like, am I going to do this? Oh, okay, I'll just do that. Um, It was sort of autopilot sort of thing? Yeah, kind of like you don't know what to expect. So you just go into everything. Uh, Yeah, and um, the accent thing was okay, luckily, because I remember my voice teacher basically just telling Selma and I not to worry too much about the accent and just to focus more on connecting to begin with. Mm. I Mm. think I was definitely intimidated. Um, Yeah, never really mentioned it before, but I was really (laughs) intimidated by everyone else in the class. because, Because everyone had such, like... Like, to be honest, I'd never heard any sort of accent from the UK in real life until I went to drama school. And before that, I've only seen things on Game of Thrones and I'd only seen things on, like, national theatre live broadcasts where, like, Mm. everyone just sounds so cool doing Shakespeare and everything. (laughs) So when I first met everyone and I heard everyone speak, I was like, they sound so right. (laughs) I have no other way to explain I was just like they sound so right (laughs) and like it can be a very scary thing I guess for people not from the country they're studying or working in to hear all these other accents and to kind of suddenly get a bit nervous about opening your mouth and that's kind of how I felt for a bit in the first like term or two I have to say in the word that you like the wording of it uses like right yeah and yeah. and also because i didn't know you i didn't know you saw national theater lives mm-hmm. um in singapore yeah yeah is it is 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 it, as i because i remember when we were in barcelona yeah um for context we did a show in barcelona we were very lucky we got to tour uh in third year and yeah. i remember like them saying that like they, i remember them sort of going they were feeling a bit embarrassed at like how how good they were i remember them saying something like oh we know we're not as good as 
the English theatre world or we know that we can't act as good as you or because it just doesn't sound right. And I'm just, I just mm. don't know what... I, I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, cleverer people than me that could, you know, go into the history of it. And it's, But, like, why is it that, <laughs> like, English theatre in particular is held to a sort of higher standard and why do people sort of buy into that? Well, just I kind of d- think, like... So I think to, to like, your everyday person who's, like, never been in the theatre world, for example, um, and who just kind of consumes it as entertainment, you kind of just... There is a reputation in the US and UK um, that the standard of theatre is just, you know, kind of up there. And I yeah, think I in another way... Yeah, as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think in another way, because Shakespeare's from the UK and everybody like globally just knows Shakespeare and they know that he was from England like I think that's where the association comes from but I think it also has Mm. something I think it also for me has something to do with again the whole accent thing and just kind of growing up watching or again anti-live or like listening to productions of Shakespeare being performed by you know English actors um, so kind of when you grow up hearing that, again, it's the thing about representation though, but you grow up hearing one thing and you think that that's the right thing. No. Um, yeah. 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 And right. you think that, you think that, you know, other people can have good renditions, but it may not be the right rendition. And and that was like something that gradually I kind of got used to and was just like, no, I mean, that's not the case. But yeah, I think I think what it, what appealed to me was um, also the fact that inflections on words and sentences here are completely different to Singapore, <laughs> and I was just not used to it. I mean, like in Singapore, the first language is English, so everybody uses it for work, for school. Um, you speak it with your friends and your family, um, so we're used to it. But inflections are just slightly different, and. I think that's also why when I first heard everyone in the class speak, I was like, that's what you have to do. (laughs) When I first started, I was like, I have no idea how to do that. It's kind of like, um, yeah, okay, a good example, a quick example. Okay, in, in any sort of region in the UK, I would say, I can't speak for it, but I know that at least in RP, if you ask someone, where were you? But that's that's the thing. Like in RP, you'd say "Where were you?" Um, but mm. in in Singaporean accent, it would be "Where were you?" So like the stress is on a completely different word, and I think right. And yeah, that's, 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 that's sort of yeah. that's the whole thing of like you never. I I mean I don't know how. I don't know why it works, but like in theatre or something, you're never supposed to. You're never supposed to emphasize the you or the me, and it just seems like it just seems bollocks. I don't know why. I know it's a strange. It's a strange, case, strange thing. But, yeah. I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, for example, like in RP as well, you would say, I shouldn't be here. Whereas in Singaporean, you would say, I shouldn't be here. Right. Or like, I shouldn't and just be something here. As, yeah. Something as simple as that can really kind of knock you off kilter, I suppose. No, oh, you yeah, yeah. For like any it kind really, of It really like twisted to... my ear. <laughs> Doing any kind of like, any kind of role at all. Mm, so, mm. so you get to we get to third year, and yeah, I'm really interested to know how the I word as mm-hmm. a thing, how did it affect you in third year? Because you got a lot, you got a 
you got a lot of interest and it was a lo- it was a very good time for you but it also did seem from the outside like a lot of pressure like a lot was being put on you all at once and you know like you'd had to be taken out of one of our shows and mm. it, how how did you how did it affect you and how did you sort of deal with it well i think wow to be honest it was such a whirlwind time because around the time that i had to be taken out the play that i was working on um i was in talks with the course and with lots of people about figuring out representation for people of color um it was a very kind of strange time i would have to say um and when this play came along i, I was just so surprised because it was a play that was entirely about east asian people um and it really kind of just hit me somewhere i think um and i think because i was kind of dealing with the representation thing in school and suddenly this thing came outside that was about representation i think it kind of all just slot into place and i think it it was the first time that i really kind of felt like that strong need to speak you know like in in central in voice classes we're always told that you speak because of the need to speak and yeah it sounds really really wank but like i i remember being told before or being asked by our voice teacher like why are you saying this words or why do you need to do this like why what sort of stakes are there that is making you have to do this and i think when that play came along at the royal court i just felt like i had to or i had to at least do the best damn job i could at the audition in mm. order to do right by myself i think yeah um so yeah yeah and i thought i think as well it's interesting i mean Look, we don't we we don't have to talk about the player. That you know, if people mm-hmm. wanted to look up the play, they can look it up. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the Royal Court. You know, I think people who listen to this probably would have heard of the Royal Court. So, <laughs> but like, I'm more interested as well in just in just kind of going. Do you feel like some of your training was sort of because there's going to be people who listen to this, hopefully, who you know will have been your situation, who get to third year and do get like interest and then are thrust into something did you did you feel like your training was sort of interrupted or was or a bit of it was taken away from you um actually no um because i kind of feel like i mean you know we went through such an intense first and insanely intense second year and kind of yeah. By the time we got to third year, I think all the things that were very new to us were industry related and were kind of because we hadn't actually performed to the public before until third year and that was something that was very very new. I think by third year I established like okay, I have a lot of things that I've been, I have a lot of tools that I've been given to make sure I can do stuff that will make me feel safe. So now it's just time to explore how to do that in front of other people um and the real things that i'm actually scared of are industry and visas and industry so kind of if i ended up having to go to the to the royal court if i had if i ended up having to go somewhere else it was literally just a completely different playground for me to experiment in i would still be insanely nervous but i think the rules and the parameters would actually still be the same except i was getting paid <laughs> 
<laughs> to do stuff, right. which I think would be would be the the obvious difference. Um, so yeah, I don't feel like the training was interrupted. I feel like it was. I feel like it was customized. Yeah. To suit a different environment. Right. Yeah, because I think from the point think, that you do third do you... year, it's. Oh, sorry. No, go on, go on. No, yeah. I think from the point of third year, from that point onwards, it is, in effect, just job after job when it comes. And the nerves, I don't think, ever go away. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I just wonder as well, though, because, I mean, I remember... How old were you when you came to drama school? Uh, early 20s, I would say. Early 20s. Um... Uh, so, like, yeah. the. I'm just wondering how. Because, I mean, it, it sounds like you, you've. It sounds like you felt like you were kind of ready. And I kind of know, like, knowing you, I kind of. That kind of does make sense. Mm. I just, like, I've just sort of. I just. In my head, like, if I just thought about that sort of happening at the same time as the. It, I just. I don't know how I would cope and I suppose like we're, we try, we try not to speak too much about history, but like we are still <laughs> yeah. to say it as well now. but like we're but like I'm trying to just sort of get a glimpse into like how did you what did you do outside of acting and drama school and the I word to sort of cope to sort of like take yourself out of it because because you were really successful and it's and it's fantastic but also oh, like you. i know that you haven't had like a holiday <laughs> until <laughs> until the lockdown yeah. so and you haven't had time off and it's yeah. very easy for people i know to say like oh well, well you know lucky you 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 know it's very you know you've got your jobs and what you complain about but it's it, that is tough that's tough for anyone and so i'm just sort of wondering what what you do, what you do to sort of mm-hmm. take yourself out of that mindset well, I kind of feel like it's true. You have to do anything possible to kind of give yourself that stimulation. But I think I think once you're in the production, and especially past the rehearsal stage, because the rehearsal stage is always kind of like a very creative grind with the rest of your team to kind of come up with that project. But once you're actually in the shows, because it happens day after day after day and sometimes twice a day, it does start to feel very easy for me anyway to kind of separate your life with the work so for example like if I had a show that started at half seven I would wake up in the morning at let's say nine and go okay I have from nine until 4 p.m to do whatever I want and to not think Mm. about the play and then after from like 4 p.m onwards I can like slowly start to think about the fact that I have a job to go to uh, so yeah, it kind of became like a regular job. You're just kind of like figuring out tiny bits of time. And I think between that bits of time, I like to stay really active. So I did a lot of bouldering. Um, if I had saved up enough, I would go for like a quick horse ride at Richmond, which is always peaceful because, <laughs> you know, once you're out in nature, like I believe that nature just takes over and does the rest for you. And it just helps you completely calm down and I think nature's the best remedy, to be honest. Like, getting active and getting out is mm. probably what kept me going. And sewing. But yeah, mainly... <laughs> yeah, mainly, like, long walks um, and exploring. Right. Yeah. I suppose that was what was difficult for people in lockdown as well. That sort of, that moment where you could go out and have your... 
daily exercise oh, became yeah. like a real thing to sort of treasure. Yeah. But just what is it like? <laughs> I, I, I suppose like what? How are you feeling about this job that you're in now? Like, what is your yeah. headspace now? Because you're going into 2021, and we don't need to talk about what you're doing. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, there's there's a potential of work, even though it could be pushed back. How, 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 well, what are you thinking about right now? What are you thinking, Mill? <laughs> <laughs> what am I thinking? Um, uh, well, I've received the working script. So it's, it's sitting on the table. I say sitting, but it's, it's in an iPad. Um, it's sitting on the table and I will eventually get round to it at some point leading up, um, I think it's a thing from drama school. I, I like to read the script many, 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 many times before I go in for rehearsal. Not necessarily mm. memorizing any of my lines, but just reading it to be absolutely like familiar with it. Um, regardless of COVID situation anyway. And um, yeah, I like to do that. I like to start thinking about my character just a little bit. Um, and then occasionally if I come across a nice piece of music, because I like using music a lot, if I come across a nice piece, then I put it into a Spotify, you know, playlist and that's it. Kind of very light work, I think. I'm interested now in the idea of sort of going into 2021 with the possibility of places reopening and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But you're in a, you're in a position that, again, that people... A lot, a lot of graduates won't be in. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, what are you... What do you want to make things for? Because I would imagine that it's getting to a point now where you're, you're in a position where you could... And maybe not choose, but, like, you're, you're starting to create more of a... A, you know, a, a, a working life. And you're yeah. getting projects and there's things happening. And so I suppose it sort of cutting that away and just thinking about you again what are you sort of making things for like what do you want to make things for so i've been thinking about this for a while um i'm really interested in making a lot more stories of women in their 20s i would have to say kind of like mid to late 20s for and upwards of like 30s um who are not in conventional I guess you would say societal conventional expectations by this point in life. Mm. So, for example, like not married, not having any kids, um, basically just stories, I think, that I feel I haven't seen enough of growing up and I would like to see more of that. And kind of I want to make a lot more stories for the East Asian community. Um, Mm. And I don't know when that will happen or how that will happen because I'm just getting into writing at the moment and it's all a bit kind of oh, yeah. start-stoppy. It's not really like smooth sailing, but it it never has been apparently from what I've heard. It always starts a bit, you know, kind of yeah, in yeah, blocks yeah, and chunks and oozing stuff. Do, you see, um, do yeah. you see a connection between the two? Do you find a connection in the terms of like what you think about when you think about when you do acting or when you think about you do writing or is Mm. it very much separate i think it's kind of related in in a weird way it's because you know when you do do the acting like you end up pouring over a story so many times that and you see the creative process and i think a bit of that kind of feeds into how you approach work Mm. um and obviously you'll get a little bit 
here and there from all the different productions that you do or you know and the ideas just kind of come from hearing other playwrights talk about their process and yeah because this is collaborative I mean, I've, I've never said this to you at all but like I think I think when I was I think when we were at Central, I think I always thought that you would probably end up being a director of something. Mm, I don't know why, really? but I think that like there was something about the way that you, there was something about the way that you were. Maybe it was just, maybe it was just your maturity because you are mature. <laughs> but uh, just uh, maybe it was just your sort of. You always had a sort of um, an assurance, but also you were able to help people, and you were able to help other people mm. in getting out of those sort of ruts. Or I remember mm. certain projects like. Um, just sort of in scene studies, I remember you were able to come in and you were, you you had a good brain for just sort of taking things apart and just going like let's bring it down back to simple simplicity. Was that is that part right. of your thinking, or are you just like? <laughs> I have never actually thought that. <laughs> I've never actually realised that I do that. Just watching your face, just go no, <laughs> no. Why like not? A lemon. Why wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I've never really actually thought about it. I don't even know that I did what you said that I've been doing. <laughs> um, Maybe it was just to me. Maybe it was just like, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you just came and just like, I need to help Andy. He's, he's struggling. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I guess that's mm. the the answer. Like, I don't know whether that's whether that's directing or like you say, like helping you know actors get out of ruts and you know find their ways through the maze with a ball of yarn uh whatever that is i don't know um but yeah it's, do you, it's do, you all do you plan there. do you plan your future i like to visualize it but you know it, i kind of just let it, things take their way um i do have like a five-year sort of thing but luckily the five-year thing that i wanted at the end of last year, I did actually manage to get. So I don't know how right. things would go if I, you know, if something doesn't end up actualizing at the end of like three slash five years. But, you know, just, you know, we can't really tell. Everything changes now, <laughs> you know, just, you uh, know. I suppose this has shown, any, if anything, it's shown that like planning ahead <laughs> is, is, is great, but it, it, be ready for it to change. Exactly. I was meant to be visiting the Faroe Islands by this point, but... Uh, no nope. way. Nope, yeah. Oh my God. Lots wow. of holiday plans just mm, down the drain. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so let's get to your recommendation then, because I've waited for okay. two months and we've gone past the point where we would, where I've lost Wi-Fi last time. So uh, what's your recommendation? Yeah. Okay. The moment of wanting to be an actor again or wanting to just be back in the thing, because again, like yeah. the more we go on, the more we're trying to get people who aren't actors into this podcast. So what have you got? Well, I would say, so I thought about this, um, because there are lots of kind of like media things that I love, which always get me into acting. But recently, anyway, since I've been up in Scotland, um, you know, nature is everywhere. And Scotland's nature <laughs> is just bursting with colour. Uh, I would say for anyone who wants to consider acting or who is an actor and you have the means, just take a train or get out of your house and find a mountain... This is going to sound insane. Find a mountain 
<laughs> and climate. <laughs> are you, you're recommending this for people who aren't actors as well. This is yes, so this yes, is I'm recommending people who are not actors as well. Yes, just for exactly. people who are just wanting to have a moment of just like yeah, from all walks of life who want to become actors or yeah. who, are, who want to yeah. be. Who want to be associated in some in way world, with the craft world, yeah. of acting? Craft, um, yes. Yeah, pick a mountain um, and climb it. Just get yourself a decent pair of trainers if you don't want to invest in walking boots. Pack a banana, pack an apple, pack some trail mix. Um, banana, bring lots apple, trail mix, trail mix yeah. water. Um, All of this is woolly hat. Yeah, this is, <laughs> <laughs> woolly hat. Yeah. Yep, uh, trousers, because you don't want to fall on bracken and cut yourself, and then just climb. Um, And make sure it's difficult, I would say. Don't pick a hill, pick a mountain. (laughs) Uh, Because I kind of feel like, and again, this is going to sound so cheesy, but the journey to the top is is the journey that I feel when I'm on a stage playing a role. It always starts with the view really wide and the goal really far away and you keep going and you get tired and then after you get tired, you push through and it comes to a point where you don't feel the fatigue anymore and then you're just climbing. Um, And regardless of the season, it will get hot or it will get insanely cold and it's just you with that bag and with everything that you need to survive in that bag and... I just I fall so many times when I'm climbing and I get really sweaty and there's so many times when I'm halfway up I just can't breathe because I'm out of breath and I'm like I hate this why did I want to do this what if I just go down now and yet there's there's like a part of you I think it's like human instinct that makes you hate the fact that you want to give up so you just keep going and then when you finally get to the top, you're completely out of breath, but the view is just so worth it. And I think there's a special thing when you're in the middle of nature, in the middle of absolute nowhere, where all your problems just feel completely insignificant. There's just no point to worry about industry, no point to worry about whether you'll ever buy a house, um, no point to worry about whether you'll ever fall in love because I think in that moment when you're standing at the top of a mountain you will really love yourself and that will be the only thing that ever matters and I don't think reaching the peak of a mountain by like a helicopter without any strain or struggle is in the least bit satisfying there's just no point and I think the same thing is to go with the theater because that's where you are bringing that sort of munder, munder. Wow, that's where you're bringing that wonder and Munda. the, yeah. the <laughs> majesty. Exactly, the majesty of nature and all that life that you see in front of you. You're bringing all of that and putting that on a stage and sharing that with a room full of humans. And yeah, that's what I would say. Go climb a mountain. <laughs> well, there we go. That was your recommendation. Yep. <laughs> well, are there any good mountain spots that you could think of? Scotland, I oh, suppose. Oh, actually, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Scotland, there's 282 <laughs> for you to climb. <laughs> so, well, yeah. hey, there we go. Millicent Wong, thank you very, very, very much. Mm-hmm. You're very welcome, Andy Sellers. <laughs> 
This podcast is produced by me, Andy Sellers, with original music by Danny Hall. Thank you for listening.